We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with today's episode with former NFL wide receiver and now elite content creator Brandon Marshall, head on over to our Patreon page where you can see some of the new stuff that we've added on there. If we could pull up the Patreon, that would be super dope, guys, while I do some of these reads. For as little as $5 a month, you can access the betting picks every week, whether it's UFC, whether it's soccer, NBA, anything that I bet on, I put it on the Patreon, especially with the NFL season looming. You guys know how we got down with the NFL last year with the NFL futures. We had Mahomes at MVP. We had Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year. We had the Eagles. <sighs> we had the Eagles as the best record. But, you know, the, the sigh was because we don't like the Eagles, but they put some money in our pockets. So we can't hate that. And also, we had a 120 to 1 Super Bowl prop, Chiefs and Eagles to be the Super Bowl. So for $5 a month, it's the best bang for your buck in all of sports betting. I said it. For what you get from the Patreon every week, there's not a better deal out there. I think the, the math is like 16 cents a day. Come on, yo. You guys spend money on way worse. So you'll get access to the betting picks. There's a Discord. There's uh, giveaways in the $10 tier. There's shoutouts in the $20 tiers. There's, there's discount codes in the $20 and $40 tiers as well. And while we're here, let's just do a rundown of Tristan Ratzlav, the newest member of the Supermax tier on Patreon. Thank you so much. Abel Rezin, Ben Coltsian, Jerry Shapiro, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platies, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Thomas Robinson, and Nick Crummich, and also Joe Herrera. Thank you, man, for pledging for an entire, entire year in the Veterans Minimum tier, the $10 tier. Please DM me. Slide into the DMs. Let's get you some merch for pledging for the whole year. And last thing with the Patreon, if from now until week one, you join the 20 or $40 tier on Patreon at some point between now and week one, you'll get an invite to our NFL eliminator pool, $1,000 to the winner like we gave out last year too. All you got to do is pick a team to advance every week. Last man standing, last person standing wins $1,000. So head on over there, check it out. And yeah, let's get into this episode with Brandon Marshall and do me a favor, y'all. This was a really good show. Um, I really enjoyed it. And it would mean a lot to me if you guys could go and promote it. Um, tag us, share it, post about it. We'll, we'll repost it. 
And yeah, let me know what you guys think because I really enjoyed the conversation with Brandon Marshall. He's one of my favorite wide receivers of all time. He was uh, super grateful. Um, I'm super grateful to him. And he was, it was dope. It was dope. So enough about me. Let's get into this conversation with Brandon Marshall. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand, just understand my pocket's that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. So, joining me now is uh, truthfully one of my favorite wide receivers of all time. And I want to start this show off welcoming Brandon Marshall to Veterans Minimum with a gift. Oh, wow. Oh, this is nice. This is the best intro I've ever been a part Listen, of this the, the, the bag is a little weird i get it but that's all they had at the store i know you're a tequila guy yeah based, based off the last time you <laughs> was in here you crushed a whole ass bottle of tequila with Devonte. <laughs> i was working Yo, wasn't show. that legendary dude i didn't think he was gonna drink with me i didn't Thank think you. he was gonna drink with you no nah, of course man and there's also a hat in there from the show too oh wow um but yeah, man, you were you were in here. You did I Am Athlete, and truthfully, bro, that was one of the coolest experiences because that show was dope. You guys just crushing the tequila, and I was like, you know what, man? Because last time you were here, also, you uh, you took care of me after the show, and uh, it meant a lot. Care of you. you know what you did, bro? I, I honestly don't remember. You don't remember? All right, I'll keep I'll keep it between us. But you uh, you hooked me up with some man, and and it meant a lot to me. So that's why I figured, okay, I give you some merch and and give you that nice bottle of tequila. My guy, I appreciate that. Nah, of course, man. Yo, listen, uh, I also got to say, you're the reason why I'm not in more than one fantasy league anymore in my life. Explain. You're the case study for why you shouldn't be in more than one fantasy league because I had you in fantasy one year and you scored a touchdown and it helped me on two teams uh-huh. and then it burned me on like five. <laughs> so you score a touchdown and I'm hyped as hell and then I'm like, Man, this guy scored a touchdown that killed me in so many other teams. Right. Dang. So ever since then, I play in one league with my friends. And uh, you're forever wide receiver one. In 2012, when you were with the Bears, 118 for 1508 and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that was a legendary year. That was a great year. First year with uh, Cutler again, reuniting. That's right. You were my wide receiver, bro. And that was my first big money league. So that's also what that tequila is for. I know it's uh, 11 years of interest coming back now. Jeez, I love it. Listen. <laughs> You know, when I uh, uh, first realized that um, I was f- famous, I don't know which one's smaller. I was a smaller person, famous or celebrity, um, was when I, the first time I came to, the second time I came to Vegas, right out here. I walked out here. We were walking through some uh, some hotel, and someone walked up to me, and they were like, yo, Brandon, thank you for what you did for me on fantasy football. Fantasy football started making, you know, bringing football players more to the forefront and and more visible so i respect it so do you respect it because i'm sure you also probably had some wild tweets or messages from people as far as on a game that you didn't do too well did you yeah. ever did you ever deal with that side of fantasy too because i've heard some horror stories yeah honestly bro like um i i never really paid attention still to this day i don't really pay attention to uh much noise or 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 um you know the hate mm. right uh a few things one i think whatever you can consume you become so there is a, a level of like you know protection 
that my that I put around myself as far as like what I read, what I watch. Um, but it always gets through though, right? You know, because you have family, you have friends. Sometimes they hear. You it. know, you might walk into the cafeteria and 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 you know some network is talking about you, so it does get there. But I never went searching for it, right? Um, ever. And then also, um, I truly believe that like I, I'm just built a little differently, where I just don't give a damn. Um, and then also like I, I'm a I'm a guy that's been in trouble at times as well, and, and early on in my career, so. You know, it made me look at myself quicker than maybe my peers. And, and what I realized was, like, you know, everybody fuck up. Right. Right? Uh, my fuck ups is just so happening going to be on ESPN, you know, on a ticker. Right? So it is what it is. So you kind of get used to being talked about. Right? That comes with it. You know, that's actually why we get paid the b big bucks if you think about it. You know, the difference between pro athletes, I mean, uh, amateur athletes and pro athletes, Sometimes, a lot of times it's all mental, right? There's a lot of phenomenal men and women that can hoop, that can play volleyball, that can hit uh, a golf club. But when the pressure's on or when it's really competitive or something hurts in your body, you can't perform at a high level. So That's a um, Or even, even the stress. Look at Ben Simmons, right? Like, I truly believe he had the yips. Like Ben Simmons, there's nobody in this world that can tell me that he his trajectory shouldn't have been Magic Johnson, and it still may be. But this dude, six nine, uh, you know, well he's six ten. Magic Johnson, six nine, both played power forward in college, both moved transition to uh, point guard, both got flashy passes, get crazy handle, right? Can't really shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened? Where was the breakdown? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think it's a it's mental. And sorry to be so long-winded. No, nah, man, that's also a big part of your brand, too, because I feel like you're one of the first I big names. You got me, man. I'm about to take a little yeah, sip. Yeah, I wish we would have had some ice, but I wanted to surprise you. You don't want to give it away. Maybe our team will bring us <laughs> a, a glass or something. But, dude, I feel as if you were one of the first big-name athletes that kind of was outspoken about mental health and the mental health space. Yeah. How how much of that played a role into you deciding not to deal with all that social media and the scrutiny? Because, like you say, you bring up a good point, man. And I feel like not a lot of people realize that sometimes. It's not just you that got to deal with it. Yeah, It's a family member. That's they, right. Maybe they recognize them at a supermarket and they come up to them like, man, yo, how come Brandon didn't score a touchdown over the weekend or whatever right, it might right. be? So what, what led you to be a sort of an activist and spokesman for mental health? Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. Um, so you talked about what role did mental health and my journey around mental health play uh, with me, you know, having my, my blockers on and not seeing the hate or whatever, the commentary. Um, it actually played a huge role, right? There's 320 million Americans and almost 100 million Americans are living with some type of mental health disorder or some type of challenge. And also what you just said, you got family members, loved ones that it also touched. So for everyone that's living with something, it touch you touch five to six people. It's a trickle-down effect. Your loved one, yeah. your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbor. So it, all, it definitely affects all of us. So I threw them numbers out there because when you look at the numbers and, and you really look at it, it's like, damn, everybody dealing with something, right? And so it was there on the campus of McLean Hospital where I, where I was like, I don't know, I, I walked away with this confidence or this this feeling of like, you know, who cares about whatever 
anybody else think because I know they're dealing with something differently. True story, I left McLean Hospital after three months in that outpatient program, and I'm in this parking lot at Publix, and, like, this lady, and she was in the wrong. This lady had just road rage, just screaming at me, honking her horn, mother MFing me, whatever. And I looked at her with just, like, this curiosity, like, what is she going through? What's happening with right. her, right? Because I that was how I viewed the world. That's how I still view the world. It's like everybody dealing with something. Everybody got skeletons in the closet, right? Yeah. As an athlete, your shit just play out in front of the world to hear and see. You know what I mean? That's the only difference. So um, what inspired me to talk about it was because my life was a living hell for a very long time, right? Like, and a lot of times, like, we say our guys are struggling when the game is taken away from them because their identity is wrapped up in a sport. So, like, my identity was truly wrapped up in football. The only thing I cared about my entire life was making it to the NFL. That's it. Mm-hmm. So at the age of 22, like, my biggest dream came true. And I got money. I can travel to where I can do whatever I want to do. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't until I was on at McLean Hospital where I started dreaming again. Like, damn, can can I am athlete really be a thing? Can House of Athlete really be a thing? You know what I'm saying? So, like, um, being there and seeing how my life was radically changed in three months is what inspired me to talk about it because, like, damn. Like, how many people? Here, here's what happened. So we're in this group therapy called uh, self-assessment. Self-assessment is basically where you sit in a circle with six, seven people. It's also in the program or maybe just in this group therapy, and you just – go around and talk about what's going on in your life. You can say whatever the hell you want to say. Mm. So this is the first time like ever in my life that I'm like, yeah, so last night this is what happened. Uh, you know, I'm sad or, you know, I, you know, my feelings are hurt. You know, listening to other people that were, other, you know, predominantly women in this group. So I'm listening to how women are communicating totally different than men. And right. so my mind is totally blown away. So there's one particular self-assessment. Everybody's going around. One lady uh, literally says, I tried to take my life last night, okay? And now she's still she's sitting here today, right? She tried to kill herself. There's another person uh, that talked about, you know, um, uh, 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 self-harming. And then you look down and she had a bandage on and blood seeping through her arm. And then it was me, this football player, telling my story to this insurance broker, this lawyer. At the end of that, after hearing those stories, I never heard about self-harming before. Right. I never dealt with suicide ideation. Right. So hearing that, like that was like a shocker to me. We all got up, walked in a parking lot and we all went back to life like it was normal. In that moment, I was like, damn, we walking around doing life, working with people that are suffering and we may not even know it. Like, yeah, we don't know. There's a lot of people that ain't going to know this lady tried to take her life last night. A lot yeah. of people ain't going to see this bandage. She's going to cover that up. You ain't going to see the blood seeping through her arm. And if you do, you're not even going to think about self-harming. And so it was in that situation, in that moment where I was like, you know, I want to start a foundation. I want to do something about it, put a name and voices to it. And, yeah, um, I was like one of the first athletes in a primus career to do it, you know. And now 10 years later, you know, we have My Cause, My Cleats. We were able to push that through, um, you know, 10 years later. Now you see, you're seeing guys cel- being celebrated, um, talking about it. The NFL fined me for wearing lime green cleats on the field. That's how My Cause, My Cleats started after that, we went in the office and I was like, man, there's other initiatives outside of breast cancer awareness that we should be talking about and highlighting. So we put this proposal together and then they launched that. And now you're seeing guys not be fined for it, but actually raise money 
you know, around it, the Dak Prescotts of the world, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a lot of work, uh, you know, our team has done and a lot of work still uh, to be done. I didn't know that about the cleats, dude. It feels like your impact's going to supersede you. Yeah. With people being able to just express themselves on the field. Yeah. And then also what you've done with I Am Athlete, dude. I'm fascinated by people like you who your whole identity is being an NFL player and then post-career. I see it a lot with fighters. I'm a big UFC fan. Yeah. So I see a lot of MMA guys that when their career is done, they don't have a way to identify themselves. You know, I, I usually don't drink when I record, but I shall. Welcome to a collaboration with I Am Athlete. Let's go, man. Here we go. Let's go. Um, but you transitioning into the second part of your career, man, how'd, how'd that come about? Because hmm. you've been super successful with it. I Am Athlete has over a million subscribers. At pretty much anyone you have on the show of substance, you're trending. You're on Twitter. ESPN is covering you. Uh, all these talk shows are covering you. Yeah. What led to you transitioning from the athlete to then being the media guy? Uh, having a plan, right? Um, in 2014, I spent my entire offseason at Harvard building out a case study on transition. We studied Magic Johnson, Boomer Sison, Doug Flutie, uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, Magic J uh, Michael J. Fox, and so many athletes and artists that actually transitioned well into the next thing or parlayed what they were doing on the big screen, on the field, on the court, uh, into something in the community. So everything was actually built to uh, monetize, not monetize, but um, take the cultural currency that we had uh, and turn that into, you know, pot uh, potentially the next live strong Lance Armstrong. If you study their business model, right, like they made companies, corporations, billions of dollars off that yellow bracelet yep. off of their merchandise. Um, they were in turn able to raise millions of dollars. So I got in. I'm kind of lazy a little bit, which is weird because I work my ass off. But I'm, I, I wasn't the type of dude that wanted to go around asking people for, you know, a $50,000 check, $100,000 check. I wanted to create commerce. I wanted to create business, right? Rev share models. And so, um, you know, we had a plan there. And what came out of that was content and commerce. Magic Johnson. Why the hell? I couldn't understand why Magic Johnson was still on ESPN when he was worth or pushing, you know, maybe a half a billion. You know, were they going to be paying him three million dollars at that now i look at it now that i'm in a business he probably wasn't even making that he probably was making like eight hundred thousand, but he was probably using that platform to continue to go you know, everything else yeah to push the traffic everywhere else and keep yeah. his name relevant so that's why i got into broadcasting and television so right after that i put together this thing where it's called uh like i was gonna go on tour after every off season i was gonna go hit all the networks espn uh go out to bristol hit the car wash and then go out to L.A., hit all the entertainment stuff, E! News, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so I can have the reps in, you know, in, in, in the relationships when I was ready to transition. After that first tour, I had like WME, CAA, all these uh, people hit me up like, yo, we want to sign you as a broadcaster. I thought my football coach, I mean, my football agent was going to be the one representing me there. But, you know, um, I had this opportunity with, with uh, WME, Josh Pyatt, um, and then he ended up getting me a deal with Showtime inside the NFL as an active player. So I was taking like a private plane every Tuesday on the off season there in a prime of my career. Like it was unheard of first active athlete do full-time broadcasting. And so we just parlayed that 
And then the commerce thing, right? So the commerce was live strong, right, from the case study. Um, and so, like, my vision has always been to act and think like a businessman and not like a brand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, since that time, I've been, you know, trying to figure out this health and wellness space and mental health space and also this content space. I'd be honest, I thought I was going to be on ESPN or uh, FS1, um, potentially go to Michael Strahan route, crossover. Like, I'm really interested in that. Uh, but then the pandemic happened. You know, everybody's talking about ownership. You saw the transition from, like, traditional to new media and digital. Oh, yeah. And so I saw an opportunity to start a podcast. It turns into this cultural social phenomenon. And we, we thought that we could bring other athletes along, produce other stories, get into scripted, get into daily, uh, get into the digital space. And that's what we're doing. We're building out, you know, um, another media platform, but presented by, owned by athletes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dude, it seems like that might be better too, man, because you don't really have no overhead to answer to. It's kind of you and your team as opposed to you can't say this on this network, you can't say that on that network. Don't you feel like you have more freedom? Oh, 100%. That's one of the reasons why I had to leave FS1. I mean, also because it's got to a point where I had to like decide like it was taking too much of my time daily to do that show and also try to run I Am Athlete and House of Athlete. And so um, there was times on on a network where, you know, something happened, big news in the NFL. They have a partnership with the NFL. They have, they're going to be bidding in 12, 18 months on the new TV, TV deal. Yeah. So, yeah, you can go out there and say what you, you know, you, you can go out there and think you think you can say what you want to say. But at the end of the day, like they need to maintain that good relationship with the NFL, the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. So if a, something big happened around the NFL, some type of scandal with an owner or the, or the league office, uh, you know, uh, players, what they would do is then have a PR a, a PR person call somebody from communication call it. Okay, well, Brandon, you know, what are you going to say tomorrow? Let's just talk through it. You know, you say whatever you want to say. We want to hear. Well, damn, well, I, I just did three months in a row. You ain't called me about none of the other stuff. You understand? So like, I. I've always been an outspoken guy. I've never like let anybody tell me what I can or can't say. So that's when I knew I was like, this ain't for me. You know, that's one of the reasons why I got a lot of trouble and that kind of got this bad rap as a you know a player. You know, but like now you're seeing players start you know say more and do more. 
You know what I'm saying? Stand up. Like I was doing that shit in 2007, 2008. I don't care, owner or not. Like it's about principle. Right is right, wrong is wrong. You understand? So like even what we's going on with the running back market, out of man Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, they were supposed to be talking about this in January and February before the new league year started. But we're gonna wait till training camp, a day before training camp, to actually get on a Zoom call. Yeah, like, waited too long. No, too yeah. late. So I ain't even sipped my tequila yet. You got me going. I got you going, Salute. man. Cheers, man. Thank you. Mm. I uh the running back position is fascinating, dude, but you know, I've never had a chance to talk to a wide receiver especially one of your stature too. I got this take about the wide receiver position and <laughs> to ask you, I think would be great. I think it's the most unique position in professional sports. I think now you're talking to someone that was first team all city in New York city as a okay. quarterback. That's you a know? big deal. Hey, I told you too, I could throw a 20 yard out at the combine. I could throw a legit one. That's a big deal. Yeah. I that's tell people, I'm like, yo, I'm an athlete. That's a, that's know? one of the hardest throws in football. Yeah. That's why I tell people that I could make that throw. Well, especially if it's from the far hash. Yeah, that's even further. I, you know, far hash, maybe we'll, 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 we'll yeah, have to check back. We'll have to check back Justin a little Herbert. Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get too crazy. Josh but Allen. I can make that throw. But, dude, I feel as if the wide receiver position is the most unique in professional sports because mm, you guys – I know where you're going. You guys break the huddle first. You're the furthest away from the ball. I never call the wide receiver a diva because, especially when you start to understand the position, bro, you need two people – to do their job for you to be successful, bro. You, 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 you didn't went on YouTube and and saw my takes around the wide receiver position. Why not. are you trying to take my words? Right I have now? not. I have not on everything. I have not. But that's to me like you need the offensive line to be good in order for the quarterback to have times and then get you the ball. Yeah. Because like, bro, I'm I'm a New York Giants fan, so I've seen it with Odell all the time getting that's the right. heat. And when Brady does it, he's passionate. When Odell does it, he's a diva. Mm -hmm. But. You guys, to be productive, you need the rock. Mm -hmm. For you to make your money, you need to put up the stats. Yeah. You need the rock. There's no position like it in professional sports. I don't know about professional sports, but definitely in football. And, and, you've, and you've taken the words out of my mouth. Well, I will say this before we go ahead. Well, no, the reason why I say professional sports is th think of another sport where you're, two you're, other you're, people. You're, 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 uh, uh, your livelihood is in the hands of others. Of two other people, two other yeah. groups. It's more. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I think it's, it's the most unique position. This is what I would say. Um, and this is what I learned. It took me some time. You know, my agent used to tell me, uh, Brandon, you don't have your FU money yet. You need to learn how to be diplomatic. Right. And I so like uh, younger athletes, like we, we do need to learn how to control our emotions. It's a business. Right. And that's the problem is it's so personal for us. Think about it. The game got me out of my situation. I, but were able to, I was able to buy my mom a home on draft night. She ain't had no place. In college, I was sending my Pell Grant home to my mom. I ain't had no bread. You know what I'm saying? Brothers and sisters, people leaning on me. You know what I mean? So, like, that's personal. That's what got me through those tough times in college or even in high school, being out there 100 degrees and still got to push through running tires, running hills. Fucking mat drills, 5 a.m. in the morning, and, and, and you got to go. I've never, You know what a mat drill is. Throwing up in a trash can. In that moment, you and looking at you, you, your body hurting, and, and you you hovering over a trash can. The only thing I'm thinking about is my mom, my sister, little Ormani. Like, shit, he's one years old. I got to do it for them. You feel me? So, like, when we get to the league, it's so personal. 
And so that's why you see all of that emotion coming out. That's what makes us really good at the sport we play, but it makes us bad in, in the boardroom and in business. That's still the boardroom we out there on the field. So we have to learn how to communicate. And it took me some time to learn how to communicate with the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. So later in my career, what I would do is I would be in Sunday night. I'm watching, I'm watching film, but then I'm already getting a jump on next week's opponent. Uh, I'm look Monday. I'm you know I'm walking in the office and I'm going to the offensive coordinator because they had that respect for me, right? Because they understood you know the temperament of a wide receiver, yeah. especially someone like me. And so I was like, hey, here's my suggestions. Here's what I like for myself. This is what I like for Eric Decker on the other side. So if they start doubling me here, this is what we have. And they would put those in. So Wednesday come, you know, my my suggestions and my thoughts was there, right? If if you're a player and you're waiting until Thursday, Friday, and you bitching because you didn't get the ball Sunday, like, you kind of wrong. So, but you got to do the work, right? And so, were they receptive to this? Were they were they open? Did it take longer in your career for you to put up the numbers and to be that productive in order to gain their respect, or was that you know year one or two when you were able to do that with the corners? Well, year two, I just took off, right? Like year two, I took off. So you know, I got right into my career. Um, I didn't have uh, uh, the capacity or the skills, the communication skills, to be able to communicate you know, any of this stuff. So I had to learn. It was around like year five that I, you know, really start getting savvy with it, right? And so you have that, um, but you are 100% right, okay? Wide receiver position. My livelihood is in the hands of everyone else. Offensive line got a block. Mm -hmm. So you said too, that's why I said it's more. Cause you got the offensive coordinator. Is he gonna put us in position? Is he going to be smart to know that I got freaking, I'm trying to stop cursing. I got, uh, let me see, someone who be getting hot. Stephon Diggs backside. What are we doing? Get him the ball. D-Hop, get him the ball. What are we doing? This, is the give, this presents the best chance for us to win. So the offensive coordinator got to do a great job. The quarterback also got to do a great job. Before we get to the quarterback, the offensive line got to block. Block, yeah. Right? Because you get, everybody else can do a great job. But then you get the quarterback gets smacked in the mouth. You know how many times I'm wide open, get off on somebody, pause, and 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 then I hear, oh, look back, Jay Cutler on his back. Yeah. Like, damn, that was a tug. You know what I'm saying? So then the quarterback, the quarterback, he got to drop back and do his job. Is he making the right read? Is he going with his gut? Does he understand that he got a dog backside? Like it's one-on-one. Fuck all that other stuff. You come over here. You know what I'm saying? So like that's where you see that emotion. So what I started doing like uh, uh, halfway through my career is I wouldn't talk to the quarterback or anybody when I came off the field. I actually go to the sideline. I would journal. I called it noting. And I would have just positive stuff down. So I would like, like one game I went into, uh, the game and my goal was to smile and be crispy at the top of my routes, right? Like I had working with uh, 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 a mindset coach. And he's like, Brandon, you haven't smiled in three weeks. Do you know how contagious your smile is, especially to your team? So like the whole game, walk around like, that was one of my goals, nothing else, right? And then also top of the route. Like I run a route, drop a ball at the top. I mean, and I'm not going to the sideline pissed off about it. I'm thinking about like, yo, top of route was crispy, right? Like phenomenal job, check. And then what I would do is go to the quarterback, sit down, say, hey, what are you seeing? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm cooled off. You know what I'm saying? My mind's in a good place. And then I'm going to the quarterback and saying, yo, Jay, what do you see? 
And then I'll pull out the pad or the paper and be like, yo, you see this? You know, the, you know let's keep an eye over here, keep an eye on this. And so you learn how to communicate the right way. And then also, last thing I would say to this is, as wide receivers, sometimes we are too emotional, right? Where it's like, when you are Stephon Diggs or if you are D-Hop or Devontae Adams, like, most coaches know, like, we're going to get you the ball. Quarterbacks know, like, we got to get you the ball. Like, yeah, it benefits obvious. them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we be tripping. Man, I just got the memo that we got to wrap up soon. Uh, I appreciate your yeah. time for coming on the show. Let's go 10 more minutes. A word? Yeah, okay. I like you. Cool. Thanks, man. You guys thank always you. bless me, too. Yeah, thank you, bro. Thank you. you. Know, we're like, we're you... returning to brothers. <laughs> I love it. Do you have um? Do you have any regrets from your playing career? Um. Well, the only thing that keeps me up at night is that, uh, you know, I'm very goal-oriented um, and that, I, you know, like I was so close to a few uh, personal goals. And, and, and there's another thing as well. Can you, you share know, one of the personal goals? Yeah, like uh, 970 catches. Like, what the freak? I couldn't hit 1,000. It just looks better when I'm sitting yeah. there, when I'm 60, talking to my kids, my grandkids. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Granddad. Or At daddy, over a thousand. Yeah, a thousand. Like, you know what I'm saying? My numbers is already like really good, but like a thousand just presents better. It feel it feels better to say too. Right. And then also, if you look at you know where I'm at on a chart, like I, I was literally three games away from passing legends. You know, Tim Brown, freaking uh TO and this, and you know, the uh, you know, Chris Carters and stuff, like just a couple. Like I could have go, gone from like 15, 17 in some categories to six. Yeah, just if I had a, if my last year wasn't a bum year or my last two years was in bum years, you know what I'm saying? So like you have that uh, 12,900 12, something yards or whatever it is, like, damn, I couldn't get to 1,300, 14,000 or 13,000, 14,000. Again, you go from like 20 to like seven. You know what I'm saying? I thought I could I thought I could finish my career in the top five in every single wide receiver category except for touchdowns. I got off to a late start in touchdowns. And so that keeps me up. And then also never making the playoffs keeps me up. Right? Like as a competitor, you see, I'm getting like kind of emotional now. Like as a player, it's like all I wanted was a chance. Like I wanted to see if I'm one of them. Yeah. Meaning, like in the biggest moments, like the big players find a way to make some crazy play. Like you have this crazy legendary run. You know what I'm saying? It's like that basketball moment, game on the line. It's like I get the last shot, right? Like I wanted to do that in the AFC Championship or a Super Bowl, right? Like I wanted to test that, you know, uh, up against some of our greats, right? So like, I, and I, I'm confident. I believe I have it, um, but I can't. I will never be able to, you know, test that out again. So now I got to live through my sons, you know. So yeah. hopefully I'm not one of them dads. That's too much. But like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, and, and that would be even better. I'll be honest, I'll be even better. Pop sitting back, you know what I'm saying? Carrying your legacy. Right. You know, you cool, taking care of the business. They in a good place, and they out there just going crazy. Oh, my goodness. Dude, I remember, because I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I moved to Vegas about a year ago. September will be a year that I moved out here to work at the studio and to create my content here, too. Dude, I remember that year. I mm -hmm. took the city by storm, man. Yeah. That, that, was, was, a, that was a special year, because you guys also played the Giants, and you, you scored the game-winning touchdown mm -hmm. in overtime. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Listen, man. I'll be honest with you, bro. I know we're becoming like best friends over here on this pod, but I didn't really say the nicest thing about you when you scored that touchdown. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a Giants fan. What is it? The Snoopy Bowl? That's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. The MetLife Bowl. Yeah, the MetLife Bowl. How was your time in New York? Did you enjoy it? Absolutely loved it. That's where I became a man and really like walked into my full self. And I was what 32 at the time, 31. Like, and what I mean by that is like my personality. Like, I really got comfortable in my skin. So on the football field, like the numbers speak for itself. Like right. I balled out. But you're talking about everything outside. Yeah, like you know, it's like you know, you get invited to these charity events, and it's like, okay, what's the uh, attire? And they say formal. And I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable in that. I, I will go in like fucking cowboy hat or whatever I was wearing, like a dope uh, dirt, uh, uh, you know, hat, you know, some chucka boots, you know, what I'm saying whatever on, a lot of rings, jewelry. And it's like, this is what I feel comfortable in. And so, like, New York, I, I feel like I stepped into my manhood there and I fe- really felt comfortable in my skin for the first time. So, like, love New York for that. And I also, like, I get inspired by architect. Yeah. Right? So, like, driving in or flying in, because uh, some days I used to chopper uh, to practice, like, two Wednesdays, Thursdays. Some Fridays I would chop her. Yeah, that traffic is no joke, bro. Yeah, like I don't I'm home in you. 15 minutes. Yeah. But like <laughs> walk, like flying into the, uh, uh, or driving into the city and seeing all of that, like, I'm like, damn, like who owns that or who built that? Like, I, I can do that. I believe I can do that. So like, that's how my mind would work. And so like, I would come in the city so inspired. And then I like the next day just wanted, made me go harder on the field and practice. Is there any... Any player right now in the league that reminds you of yourself? Dog, yeah. Like I'm, you know, like I when I when I think about that, it's just like a grit. Um Can I tell you a guy that I think reminds go, me of you? Yeah, for sure. Terry McLaurin. No, he's uh he's a very he he's a most underrated wide receiver. Love his game. Yeah, I've said that too. Phenomenal. Yeah. And he is, he got a little oomph to him. But I can I'm I'm like, you gotta go with someone who like crosses the line every once in a while. Okay, so I see or what you got to reel them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like too much. Like might yeah, yeah, yeah. fight in the tunnel, or you know, yeah, like cross the line. Like, a little more rugged. Yeah. So AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Okay, that's Dog. a good one too. Like how he plays, but also he, like, yeah, he. You know, you say the wrong thing, he might slap you. <laughs> so I like AJ Brown. Uh, D Hop got that, but he's like Mr. Zen. Like he has it in a very subtle way. Um, but as far as like player. Uh, I would say a, uh, a AJ Brown, AJ Brown. That's a good one, man. Yeah, he's a dog for sure. How much better do you think your career would have turned out if you played with one consistent, solid quarterback the whole time? Like, you know, I um, I think Randy Moss is the best wide receiver of all time, not Jerry Rice. Yeah, and you know, Jerry Rice got all the records, but he also played with two Hall of Famers. Yeah. Dude, I remember watching this video on YouTube and Randy Moss was on a whiteboard and he wrote down like 20-something names of quarterbacks that he caught passes from. It's like, yeah, the one year he had Brady, he went bananas. Right. Like, do you ever think about that? If you played with one like bona fide Hall of yeah. Famer for a decade, how different your career would be? Well, I think that's uh, that adds to the story because, you know, I'm a receiver too that played with a bunch of quarterbacks. I think I had maybe 18 quarterbacks or something Sheesh. like that. Um but like I think that's the story where it was like whoever was throwing the ball still produced, still thousand yards, still hundred catches. It didn't matter. Ten touchdowns. Yeah. So I think that's a cool story in itself. Um, I think that, you know, 
if Coach Shanahan uh, never was fired, um, I feel like I contributed to it that year. Um, uh, and Jay Cutler, we all was, was together. We had won two Super Bowls. And, it, you know, the numbers would have been crazy. Like, Jay was throwing me the rock. Um, and the reason why I say I contributed to that is because I fumbled uh, playing against Jacksonville in Denver. And I was, like, cooking. And I shook everybody, ran up the sideline, and fucking right before I was about to cross the goal line, nobody was around me. I just dropped the ball. Was, was so it because you if, thought if, you were if I would have score? scored, we would have won? But did you do that like uh, like the Deshaun Jackson? No, thing no, I just dropped the ball, oh, and we damn. were one game away from making the playoffs. So for me, after when he fired him, I'm still close to him this day. I was like, damn, that was one game I lost for the team. We would have made the playoffs if we if we had won that game, and that touchdown would have actually secured the victory. Damn, I know I got Coach Shanahan fired. Damn. <laughs> well, hey, you add to the story, right? You said the story. Yeah. Yo, last thing I want to ask you, man, and I, I can't thank you enough, Brandon, for your time, bro. This was an awesome conversation. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime next time you, you pull up. Anytime. You know, I'm going to say yes to you anytime. Appreciate you, bro. Um, I'm always fascinated by, like, schoolyard bullshit at the highest level. And what I mean by that is, you know, you'll go to the park, you might, you might hoop. Or I played in some competitive, like, touch football leagues on Sundays. And whenever one of my, my boys, Brandon, our, our best receiver also, shouts to him, he'd line up on someone. We're like, oh, this is going to be food. Mm-hmm. Was that like that for you when you'd look at a matchup of a team you're playing? You don't got to name no names yeah. unless you want to go help me go viral. But yeah. you ever, like, look at a, at a matchup and you're like, oh, I man. I can name if, some names. If I don't have 12 catches, it's going to be pathetic. Yeah, I never really looked at it like that, like 12 catches. But, like, it was, um, it was probably 98% of all corners Darrell Revis so early in my career Al Harris OG yeah Green Bay Packers yep he gave me challenges and then you know they schemed me a lot uh with uh Green Bay uh Charles Woodson was safety he transitioned safety at the time but when they played me they went corner and he gave me some challenges a couple of games um but for the most part Darrell Revis was the only one where it's like I'm 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 working on Darrell Revis for a month, like watching everything, studying like crazy film, two notebooks worth of notes. So that was it. But the biggest thing for me was anybody that went one on one, like it's a wrap. Like, you know, you gotta have you gotta cheat the safety to my to my side. This is You're like, thinking. Yeah, like, well, yeah, like you gotta treat the safety to my side, you gotta double me, you gotta vice me in the red zone. Like one on one. That's, woof, right? So like, that's food. Yeah. So let me tell you. I'll tell. I'll tell you this. And this is my dog, uh, Bumper Run Gilmore. When he was in Buffalo, loved it because they played one on one. You know, he morphed into the defensive player of the year. Yeah. But playing against him, I love playing against Buffalo and them because they was gonna play one on one. It was just gonna be me and him, right? And and probably about year three, he started morphing into this dog. Like, he was already a dog. He was like Al Harris had that type of personality where, you know, we would lock up and, like, tussle. It'll get real. Um, but, like, shut down, lockdown, year three, year four for me, you know, against me. So he was one that I love playing against. Vontae Davis, another one they would – I don't know why, when, especially when he's the Colts. They would play one-on-one a lot, and that was over. Um, who else played a lot of one-on-one? Uh 
the the Raiders played. You had Namdi. You, you know, I think they brought in D'Angelo. You know, me and Namdi had some classic battles, but I actually, I actually loved it because they were going to play one on one. You know, I didn't have to deal with all the double and all that other stuff. So like, you know, the biggest thing was was that. Another guy, though, that gave a lot of us problems that's so disrespected, should be a Hall of Famer, I want to show him some love, is Asante Samuels. Yeah. Like, I hated playing against him. Bro, I hated when the Giants would play against him because it feels like he had an interception every time Eli dropped back. Right, right. He was a dog for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was good. Charles Peanut Tillman in practice, we we didn't like each other. We, we, we made up this past Super Bowl on a podcast. Like, we would... Literally, like you talk about competition to the fullest in practice was crazy. And then I was able to practice against Darrell Revis. We played together for the Jets. And like at, there was there was times where our battles from one on one would spill over into the into the locker room. Like and we kind of came up in the same eras from the same place. You know, we're cool, but like it was intense. Um, Champ Bailey never beat Champ Bailey deep in practice. Champ Bailey, like you talk about goats. Yeah. Unbelievable. So Sid, man, I appreciate the the tequila. I appreciate the time. Um, if I didn't have dinner dinner reservation, I'll be honest with you, bro. I would have sat here for two hours with you. Man, that's that's a good way to end this show, bro. For real. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. For real. Thank you. I try to I try to, you know, I very rarely prepare questions like that. I kind of just like vibe and energy is how I like doing my content. But I Again, it, it means a lot that you took your time, and thanks for extending it, and hope the tequila was, was good. It was good, bro. Like, I appreciate it. My guy. Let the people know if they don't know already where they could find you and all the stuff you're working on. Oh, okay. I'm a YouTuber now. Let's I'm go. I'm an influencer. Let's when go. I first got in the league, you know, everybody was like, you want to grow up and do what? YouTube. What is an influencer? Now it's like the number one go-to. I'm an influencer. Let's so YouTube, Instagram. Uh, Twitter or X, whatever they calling it, thread. So I am athlete, um, you know, House of Athlete, our social handles, and the at B Marshall. So like everything's there. Like I feel like that's the new website, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. new business card. Oh, for Go sure. Go to our social handles, right? You'll find everything you need to over there. That's right. That's yeah. right. Love. At Nick Dayas 10, as you can find me, all things Veterans Minimum are at Veterans Minimum, and we'll catch you guys next time. I'm a gold medalist, bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat a venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.